watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop has it with the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit, hit, hit it in. Bradley's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes oh, to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 FM heard wherever you are whatever you are doing on the ESPN app seen heard and everything in between on the mighty qsportstalk.com oh does it get better than that? Watch a man yell into a microphone. I mean, that's a day right there. You know what gets better than that? It's 66 degrees in central New York right now. Let's go. I don't know why I'm yelling. It's very exciting. Nice, beautiful spring-like day here on February 15th in Syracuse. We're excited about that. I don't know why I have a long sleeve shirt on. I think we need to strip down a little bit. That's hot. But it is. It's literally hot. Hotter than usual in this joint. And we'll take it because of a gorgeous day in central New York, a gorgeous day to talk sports with you. And uh, what do you say you uh, hop on board and make yourself a part of it? 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter, where you can reach us anytime. A 24-hour sports hot take message board. And, oh, speaking of message boards, AccuseSportsTalk.com. Uh, you can follow along in the live chat throughout the show. A free-flowing conversation that takes place. Do not have to even discuss what we're talking about. We, we like that if once in a while you stay on topic. But, uh, you know, it just kind of takes on a life of its own in the chat at AccuseSportsTalk.com. And we also... I'll talk to you uh, during radio breaks. We keep the mic on and the camera on, and just uh, we just keep yapping. That's what we do. It's our thing. Exclusive uh, commentary and more on the mighty QSportsTalk.com. Oh, we got us a show today, friends. Not every day you get to talk to a Hall of Famer, but that we will do today. Dave Bing, Syracuse legend, NBA legend, business legend, and just a a man doing amazing things in the world today. Uh, Dave is actually going to be back on campus this weekend. There is an event going on here, which I want to tell you about here, because if you want to go, you got to act now, friends. Dave Bing, who will join us here in about 15 minutes, is speaking at the Maxwell School at Syracuse University on a discussion that will touch on many of the themes from his autobiography called Attacking the Rim, My Journey 
from NBA legend to business leader to big city mayor to mentor. Forgot to even mention that. Guy was the mayor of Detroit as well. Uh, you can RSVP by going to maxwell.syr.edu. It is free, but you do have to have tickets. You do need to register. It's a moderated discussion that will take place in the Maxwell School Auditorium. It is free. It is open to the public. There is a reception afterwards where you can meet uh, Dave Bing. Uh, but you do have to register. You do have to get tickets. And you have to do that uh, today. Today is the deadline. So hop on that if you want to. Say hello to Dave Bing, be a part of what I'm sure is going to be a fascinating discussion and hopefully a fascinating discussion that we'll have with one half of that Hall of Fame backcourt between Dave Bing and Jim Beheim back in the day. Dave Bing coming up here in about 15 minutes. Looking forward to that, certainly. We will recap Syracuse and NC State. I believe somebody said things had to get weird at the Dome last night for Syracuse to win that game. And that was this guy. And they did get weird. And I'm not just talking about Jesse Edwards' three-pointer, by the way. But, man, you you knew. You knew when that went in. I turned to my wife while I'm watching the game. I said, game over. Game over. She's like, there's nine minutes left. I'm like, they just won the game. If Jesse Edwards is hitting three-pointers, like, come on. It's your night, baby. Uh, the continuing development of Judah Mintz and thoughts that go beyond this year on that. Everybody was wondering what Kevin Keats and Jim Beheim were talking about mid-court. The camera hung on that for a little bit. Seemed to be a little passionate discussion going on there. Happened to have some intel on that, ladies and gentlemen. I even consulted a lip-reading expert for you to figure out what was being said there at mid-court. Uh, I believe neither Beheim or Keats, correct me if I'm wrong, was asked about that afterwards, but uh, we got the scoopage. We'll tell you what's going the blindside hot takes and all the usual hijinks and tomfoolery you would expect from this program, but uh, let us dive right in here because things did get weird. That Jesse Edwards three-pointer was just the culmination of what was a night where things had to be different for Syracuse to win. You know, you do this long enough and you get certain feelings. And if you listen to the show yesterday, if you listen to the pregame show, I cycled back to this a couple of times. I'm like, I just have a weird feeling about this game. And we had Lukey and Jordan and a couple of the guys from a, because this is where their brain goes most of the time. Syracuse was favored. A lot of people were on Syracuse. Vegas knew something. It was just, there was a weird feeling about that game. I also said yesterday, look, you're going to need Judah Mintz to do Judah Mintz things and Joe to score and everybody's got to do the, the, the basketball tasks that are put in front of them. But I I just kept coming back to the thought that something strange had to happen in this game. It just kind of felt like that kind of night. And I think we saw that play out. So you had Jesse Edwards hitting a three-pointer. You know what else was weird? Judah Mintz hit a three-pointer in a big spot. He's hit 10 all year. This is not a player that's known for his three-point prowess. He doesn't take a lot of threes. There he was, open, top of the key, and it was a big shot. It was the Judah and Jesse show last night. As much as you had five players and double figures, it truly was a team effort. You know, Jim Beheim. it's not just coach cliche talk. We'll tell you, we need everybody to contribute to win games like this, and everybody did contribute. But you had to have your stars shine, and they did. And Jesse was even held back at to, to get 18 points and 16 rebounds. His 11th double-double of the year. But to have those kind of numbers, and look at it 
that he was playing catch-up the whole way offensively. He crashed the boards all night, but he had some trouble, and who wouldn't, with Burns in the middle. We told you that dude was a tank, and I, I really enjoyed watching him last night. This guy moving around, the, the Zach Randolph comparison that came up in Jim Boeheim's post-game press conference was just spot on. Because I'm watching this game last night, and I'm just like, man, who does this guy remind you of? And, and when he said Zach Randolph, it's, that's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. So it showed that Jesse still has a little development to go in his game in that. because Not that you're going to face a lot of guys with that kind of body type, but he's still getting pushed out of the lane. He still has to you know, learn how to either be more physical, get bigger, or learn how to get around players like that. And eventually, he did. Burns had the huge foul on Jesse at the end of the game, which uh, you go into NC State uh, corners of the internet, they're very upset about that. Kevin Keats certainly did not hide his displeasure with that, right? But here's Jesse Edwards, who has to adjust on the fly. But, man, once he took over that game, along with Judah, he took over that game. All the big plays that Syracuse made down the stretch – involved Judah or Jesse in some way, and in most cases, Jesse helping Judah or Judah helping Jesse. Now, let's listen to a couple things Jim Beheim said because what we saw happen last night is something that almost happened this year. Pitt, Virginia twice, North Carolina, right? The close but no cigar Miami. Games that you have to make the plays. And often it's only a couple of plays that swing games like that. We did make some plays in those games, but we just didn't make enough. You know, we're making more now. But again, these are high-level games, and um, you're going to win some, you're not going to win some. They're, they're tough to win against these teams. And, uh, you know, we were able to get it done tonight. But we made good plays in, some, in those games. We just couldn't quite... Like North Carolina just couldn't get a rebound on a free throw. It's one play. It wasn't a lot of plays, just one play. And, uh, you know, so, but even in these games that we've won lately, there were a lot of key plays at the end of the games. I mean, the game may have ended up eight or 10, but it was really, like, we were down in both Boston College and Florida State on the road, six, seven, whatever minutes to go. And you have to make plays, and we've been making them. A couple of plays make a difference. One more from Jim on that. Down the stretch, this is the f- first one of these games. We've had three here against, two here against really good teams, and we just couldn't make a play right at the end. Today we made the plays at the end that you have to make to win, made our free throws. Judah made a couple great drives and made his free throws. At the end, the last play, we played really good defense. They didn't get anything to look at. Oh, did they make those free throws? You want to serenade me on Valentine's Day? You just sing to me in your best Barry White voice. Hey, baby. We hit 16 out of 17 free throws. That's 94%. That's hot. That's what that is, kids. Because free throws matter. Oh, yeah. But they did. And that's on purpose because they're putting the ball in Judah Mintz's hands. And he knows that if he drives in the paint, a couple of things were going to happen. He's going to score 
or he's going to get fouled. Now, he can also turn the ball over. Things can get hairy in there, but we're seeing less and less of that. He had nine assists and one turnover last night. His assist-to-turnover ratio has been great all year, but it's those few plays that are now starting to be made. And, folks, that's Judah Mintz. Not that Jesse Edwards doesn't deserve credit for grabbing rebounds and making some of those plays and he was just as involved, and other guys made plays, but in the clutch, when it mattered, you heard two names more often than not, and that was Judah Mintz and Jesse Edwards. The key is Jesse overcoming what happened to him with Burns, but also the key is Judah, he's just growing up before our very eyes. I said this last night on my postgame show, and it was said by Kevin Keats in the postgame as well. You just know it when you see it. I've seen it enough. You guys have seen it enough. It's almost cliche at this point. When freshmen become sophomores, Judah Mintz is officially no longer a freshman. That game proved that last night. There's a bridge they all cross, and they don't cross it at the same time. Like, I watch Chris Bell play. I still see a freshman. All the young guys that get out there have gotten better. They've gotten more experience. They're certainly not as wide-eyed and bushy-tailed as they were in November when this thing started. But if you just dropped out of nowhere and you sat down and watched the Syracuse game for the first time this year, short of, I mean, looks young, right? Put aside just physical appearance. Just judge the game. The last thing you're going to say now about Judah Mintz is that guy's a freshman. And that is a credit to him. And that's why this team is now in a very interesting spot. I still think it's too late for this team to make the NCAA tournament short of winning the ACC tournament. But what we said is you got to prove you can beat these teams in this four-game stretch starting last night. And they did by making the key plays down the stretch that they just didn't make enough of, as Jim Beheim noted, in those other games. And We've said this all along. As frustrating as things have been, and as people have certainly expressed that through the year, they're not losing. Even Jim Beheim said it himself. And, you know, agree or disagree, like when people brought it up about this was in the retirement discussion, but when it was, you know, if we're losing these games by 15 to 20 points, maybe people have a point, but we're not. And he's always been right about that. Been in these games. The difference was a freshman had to become a sophomore. So a couple other weird things that happened last night is NC State only got 14 points from Smith who, Torquevion Smith, just shows up, he gets 20 points. Their three-point shooting was off. They finished 9 of 34, which is right around their average, but, I mean, those are not two numbers you want to put together. you got to take 34 to get 9. They had 13 turnovers in that game, which is a few more possessions, it's a few more mistakes that matter in a close game. They had one of the best assist-to-turnover ratios in the country coming in last night. This team only turned the ball over just under 10 times per game. They had seven in the first half. That's significant. It was a brutal first half in a lot of ways. I I think Syracuse only had, what, 14 points with seven minutes to go. But once things got going, and I said it last night, I was wrong, that you couldn't have one of these notorious slow starts you have because so did NC State. NC State at one point had a, I want to say a 19-9 to edge on the rebounding, something of that matter. And it just looked like the way Burns was rebounding inside, but then he got into foul trouble. When Burns was not on the court, it made a huge difference for Syracuse. you got to admit. NC State's a good team. I don't think that's a team you want to see again. 
But you proved last night you can beat a team like that, and that's the important thing. That's the important thing for this team to do. And now you got Duke coming up Saturday. We'll talk through the week about this, and we'll get closer to that matchup, obviously, as we go through the week. I looked at ticket sales today, which I think they might pick up a little bit for a couple of reasons, but they're probably not what you think. Duke is not the usual Duke. I still think it's going to be a fun atmosphere Saturday, no matter how many people go. But now there's a little more juice in that game because Syracuse finally proved they can beat a team like that. They finally found a feather to put in their cap. At the very least, have signature win might be strong, but you beat a ranked team for the first time since 2021. And you should not go two years between beating ranked teams when we're talking about Syracuse basketball. That was a sobering stat as much as it was a stat you celebrate. The last time they beat a ranked team was West Virginia in the 2021 NCAA tournament. The last time they beat a ranked team in the regular season was January 23rd, 2021. You can't go two years between beating ranked teams when you play the amount of ranked teams that Syracuse does. So that in and of itself, shows you kind of the fine line this program walks right now. But they did it last night. Things had to be weird. I don't think they have to be weird on Saturday. I think this team could just straight up beat Duke. Clemson and Pitt, that's going to be more difficult. But they had to bank that. It wasn't woulda, coulda, shoulda, attaboy almost. They did it because they made the plays down the stretch. They had to. And by they, I mean Judah Mintz. We'll talk more about this game as we go through the afternoon for sure. Got more on Judah. I've got more on what Jim Bayheim and Kevin Keats were talking about in the handshake line and more Syracuse basketball than you could shake a stick at, folks. We will be discussing that throughout the afternoon. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. He had six assists at halftime, and the second half, he still got some, but he was looking to get to the basket, too. He's getting better. He's gotten better from day one. It's a learning experience. It takes time. Um, but, you know, he's really gotten better. He's, he's pretty good. He's as good as any freshman around. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here. I'm kicking myself, man, because uh, the Wallflowers were in uh, Homer, that great Homer uh, Performing Arts Center, last May, I believe it was. And I didn't go, and I'm an idiot. And I'm hoping the Wallflowers come with uh, Matchbox 20 this summer. They were supposed to tour together a couple of years ago. I will not make that mistake next month, though, when Grace Potter comes to Homer. Uncle Brent will be there. Say hello. Maybe I'll buy you a beer. Uh, that was Jim Beheim on Judah Mint, so we've talked a lot about today. And so what you have to start thinking about here, I understand that the team will be focused on the task at hand in these next games and trying to make the tournament and just salvaging the rest of this year. But what we saw was a player go from freshman to sophomore, a smart player that has really learned how to distribute not only literally the ball, but distribute responsibilities. When do I facilitate the offense and when am I the offense? 
He's fearless. It's great if you're fearless, but you have to have the skill set to go with that, and he has that now. To get into the lane, to distribute, to attack the rim, hit a three-pointer, which he hasn't done a lot of this year, but how about Jesse Edwards and Judah Mintz had key three-pointers, and it's those extra plays that make a difference here. What Syracuse has got to start planning now, and I'm sure they've thought about it, you know, the next time Jim Beheim and Judah Mintz go to dinner, not Jim Beheim and Judah Mintz, you moron, Jim Beheim and Adam Weitzman go to dinner. I don't even know if they literally can talk about this, but let's just say open for discussion no matter who has the conversation. What are you going to give Judah Mintz at NIL money next year? How do you convince Judah Mintz that Syracuse, New York is the place for him to be and not some random spot in the G League? Because if it's just about making money, I think that for another year they can compensate him. Now, look, Judah's not showing up in a lot of mock drafts right now or anything, but there was plenty of scouts at that game last night. I talked to the scout who knows recently about Judah, and I can pull that up for you right now, as a matter of fact. Just give me a sec to find it. He's not on the radar because he doesn't have the three-point shot. But you're telling me that someone's not going to take a chance on him. So here's what the scout who knows said about Judah recently. He isn't really on anybody's first-round radar right now. He'd need to really make a jump over the next month or so. His play is intriguing, but too inconsistent at this point. He'd be much better off playing one more year in college and get the guaranteed first-round money. Aha! Well, what about the guaranteed NIL money? Would they be more wise to invest there than this whole million-dollar recruit offer? And they are. It's Players are getting NIL money, but you really got to start thinking about that. Now, remember, because people will immediately bring up, what about Jesse Edwards and Joe Girard? Jesse Edwards, it's a little complicated what you can do in terms of NIL money. I know Syracuse is trying to change this. The rules are still murky, but remember, he's an international player, so technically he can't make NIL money in the United States. I know, it's a weird rule, it's a stupid rule, I don't know why it's a rule, but I know they're trying to change it, and I think eventually they'll get around it one way or the other, but can you convince the the Triple J's here, Judah, Jesse, and Joe, to stay for another year? Because if you can barring some other big-time departures via the portal or something, which is just going to happen naturally, one or two players. But then you can go into the portal. Let's say you – and I'm just – I'm spitballing here, okay? I'm, I'm just spitballing. But let's say you can convince a J.J. Starling to come back home. That Mike Bray story continues to be really strange, by the way. Now he's not retiring. He does want to coach, just not at Notre Dame. Coach K, the first game he goes to at Duke was last night. With Notre Dame there, what, you know, is yeah, Mike Bray's last game at Notre Dame, but not maybe not his last game in last year coaching, but a whole different topic for a different day. But so that's what I'm thinking about with Judah. Because I feel like Judah's intriguing enough of a prospect that somebody will draft him. But do you want to spend a year in the G League or do you want to spend another year at Syracuse making your game better? Having that exposure on what could be a good team next year. Not that this isn't a good team in a sense, but you know, from the you know, from day one could really work itself into being more into a high seed conversation in the tournament as opposed to just hitting their groove now because they're so young. Have a better chance in those early season games to pile up the wins on the resume because they're still making up a ton of ground 
right now, as impressive as that win was last night. So that's what I'm thinking about last night, and I think that's what a lot of you were thinking about watching this team, right? Because your mind does wander. Okay, players focus on the task at hand. Coaches focus on the next game. That's not how fans think. Fans look at it, even somebody in the media like me looks at it and says, okay, look, if this team could show some stuff in these games, they don't have to win all of them, but they beat a good team last night. Duke, that that win holds water, even though they're not the Duke we normally look at. If you can sp- even split between Pitt and Clemson, two teams I think Syracuse is going to have a lot of trouble with, particularly Clemson. Have some short of showing, even if you don't make the NCAA tournament, which I don't think they're going to, short of the ACC tournament. Whatever it is, if they finish strong and you're encouraged going into next year, what it's going to take to keep those guys around for another year. It's different with each one, but with the conversation with Judah, and to an extent, Jesse, you have to convince them another year here benefits you more than, you know, the G League or playing pro ball in the Netherlands or whatever the case may be, right? Now, I wanted to just spend a couple minutes because a lot of you were asking about it, and it did not get asked in the postgame presser last night. What was going on with Jim Beheim and Kevin Keats in that handshake line? I'll tell you about that after Marty in Tampa joins us here. At 437-7644. Marty, 66 in the queues today. We'll take that on February 15th. Yeah, we're only 12 degrees warmer here in Tampa. So All right. You're right, you're right there. We're so, coming for you, baby. Let's go. Nice. You know, spring is around the corner. So Hopefully. Hey, you know, talking about Joe um, staying for a fifth year, I don't know if you guys saw, but he opened a huge NIL store, like in January. I did see that. Or just December, yep. and it's a lot of nice stuff in there. And I, I, I bought some stuff. Oh, nice. So, he, so he's got this huge NIL store. If he leaves, I mean, all that, maybe it's made to order, so that's not a big deal, but he's only going to have the store for six months. I think he could clean up the NIL store plus doing commercials in Syracuse, Glens Falls, the Adirondacks, the, the Capital District area. Um, I think he should stay another year, use that COVID year. I, I, and, you know, who knows? It, it, it might help him, um, you know, if he has professional aspirations. I, I, think, I think he should stay. And I just think opening that store is an indicator that he is. I'm hopeful. I like Joe. I'm with you all the way on that, Marty. I think the the Joe Girard criticism, which thankfully has weaned to just a, a few, you know, idiots yelling in the corner, has been just a, been absurd. Not that he hasn't had flaws in his game and, you know, we can critique players and their particular things, but if you don't think that Joe Girard uh, belongs at the ACC level or some of these just absurd takes that people have out there, like, I just don't even listen to it anymore. You're telling me you wouldn't want a, a player like that back for another year that can score the way that Joe does, the leadership. You know, think of, you know, even last night. It was the Joe, or pardon me, it was the Judah and Jesse show, but Joe got you the 14 points you needed. How about Joe got a couple of steals? Oh, he can't play defense. Had a couple of nice steals on a really good team last night. How about Kevin Keats complimenting Joe Girard the way he did? Like, I'm not going to get into the Joe rant right now. 
But if you wouldn't take Joe Girard on this team next year, I can't help you. I really can't. But back to uh, Keats, as we mentioned. So I consulted a lip-reading expert, the great deaf Jeff, my friend from Syracuse.com. And it was funny, I, I, I don't know if I can find the tweet because I got a lot of tweets today because I'm kind of a big deal in that sense. Now I just forgot where it is. But I got a great tweet last night. I want to give our guy Robbie a shout-out here. Let me see if I can find it. Because I tweeted Jeff, and I said, hey, listen, I need your lip-reading consultation here because what are Jim Beheim and Kevin Keats talking about here? Here it is. Shout-out to Robbie Rob. I'll have to edit myself here, but he says, I'm no expert, but definitely a, quote, I got bleeped by the refs, too. So if you missed it last night, right at the end of the game, okay, let me uh, let me see if I can find this and play you the audio for it. Just give me a sec to pull it up here. Uh, no swear words in that, I, I can assure you. Um, so Jim Bayheim and Kevin Keats are shaking hands, and Keats says something to him. This wasn't just a, hey, good game, I'll see you next time. Like, there's a conversation taking place. And you can see the look on Jim's face. Kind of like, whoa, like, so, like, what, what what are they talking about here, right? So, I just got to pull it up here to play it for you. Because you'll hear Wes Durham, who's calling the game for the ACC Network, in just this standard camera shot where these guys are you know, just shaking hands, doing the thing, but, boy, you know something's going on there. You can just tell by the look on Beheim's face. You can tell just by the passion in the conversation. You can't see. Keats has his head turned here. So I'm going to narrate this. This has been watched a million times, by the way, already. So let me narrate this for you while I hear West Durham. Okay. So you got Beheim talking to Keats. Now, Keats kind of puts his hand on Bayheim's chest to, like, make a point about something. And now Bayheim's like, whoa. And he's talking passionately about something. And as Rob, I think, lip read very well, there's a couple of words in here. And the people that are around this, there's a couple of those, you know, officials that sit courtside, they're like, whoa. Like, you can tell just by the look on their face that this is a, I don't want to say heated because it wasn't about these two. But, all right, let's play it some more. Third straight for Kevin Keats, or for Jim Beheim in Syracuse tonight, as you see, an exchange with the two coaches here. Okay, so now Jim's smiling, and he's laughing, and Keats is kind of walking away. So I can't see Keats because his head is turned the other way, and the other people that are there are laughing, and they're smiling, right? And, he... and Jim pats him on the shoulder, and he walks by. What that was was a conversation about the officials. Kevin Keats said, I don't have the exact wording, but he said something along the lines of, I got screwed by the refs. Now, look, there were some bad calls in that game. Gerard totally flopped. There was two instances on one, he got hit in the face, first of all, speaking of non-calls. Then there was a second contact on, a, on the ensuing possession. He totally flopped, 100%. I tweeted about it, go watch it, 100%. The Burns call at the end, so Burns for NC State leans into Jesse with his shoulder. Now, you're going to get that call. 
dude's like a running back trying to run through Jesse Edwards. I mean, can you make the case that Jesse oversold it? Yes, but Burns has to know you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt there when you're a bull in a china shop trying to make your way through the paint. Okay? So Keats clearly was upset about those calls, maybe a couple others I'm missing here in the conversation. But boy, does a picture tell a thousand words. I don't need to know what Jim Beheim's saying, right? We kind of figured out what it was, and now I, I, I checked with some people today that were in the area there and know. <laughs> but Bayheim, just the look on his face, like, dude, I get screwed by the refs a lot. I don't want to hear that from you, right? So I don't know why Keats felt like he had to tell Bayheim that, but here's what this speaks to. We've talked about this a lot this year, about ACC officiating, and how everybody's fed up with it, and this was just another example of it. So if you want to watch that video, it's on the Field of 68, and you'll just have to scroll down a little bit because it came out last night. And their headline here is funny. It's Jim Beheim and Kevin Keats really stealing the angry handshake line thunder from Jawan Howard and Greg Gard. They were in agreement about something. It's just Keats felt like Syracuse got a few calls in that sense, to which I would say, and I would say to all the NC State fans that have tagged me in their tweets today and are having a discussion about this, how about you don't let Jesse Edwards hit a three-pointer? Maybe try that and win the game. Maybe hit some more threes. Maybe your your star should have more than 14 points. Like, there's a lot more to this conversation than you got boned by the refs. I sympathize because I've talked on the show many times this year about the inconsistency of ACC officiating, but that's what that was about. And you just see Jim say, look, I get bleeped by the refs a lot, so I don't want to hear this stuff. Let's break on that note. We'll come back here on the block ESPN radio.